Welcome to sermons from First Alliance Church, equipping you to become a fully devoted and faithfully engaged disciple of Jesus. Here's today's message. I'd like to thank Tim and Andrew for giving me the opportunity and the privilege of sharing with you this morning. The Lord has blessed us tremendously during our past three years in Asia. So this morning, I mainly want to share some testimonies of what the Lord has done. And I'll weave in some Bible passages with the testimonies. At the end of the message, I'll focus on some practical application. But before I go further, I want to acknowledge my wife, Ingrid. Although I'm up front here speaking today, she is an integral part of our ministry together. And without her, our ministry would be very different and considerably less exciting. When we were in Canada three years ago, I began to learn more deeply about what it means to hear God's voice. When I use the phrase hearing God's voice, I don't mean hearing an audible voice with our ears. I'm simply referring to learning how to understand God's communication with us in our hearts. And when we got back to Asia, I began to think about how hearing God's voice could be applied to discipleship. In case the word discipleship is unfamiliar to you, let me give you a quick definition. A disciple is a learner. The learner learns the things of the master. And Jesus made disciples. Then after he died on the cross to take the sins of the world, and before he ascended into heaven, he told his disciples to go and make other disciples. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And if we consider ourselves to be followers of Jesus, then we have a two-part mandate. First, we are to be disciples of Jesus, and then we are to make disciples of Jesus. Well, Jesus had lots of disciples, but he chose 12 of them to specially invest in. Mark chapter 3, verses 14 and 15 says, He appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And the first part is being with Jesus. And sometimes we lose track of this, and we get all worked up about what we're doing or not doing or whether or not it's good enough. And Jesus wanted his disciples to be with him. And what they would later do flowed out of, blowing, of being with Jesus. So how did Jesus choose his disciples? Luke chapter 6 from verse 12 says, One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, and so on. <clears throat> These were the 12 disciples that Jesus chose to invest into in a deeper way. Well, at the beginning of the year 2018, <clears throat> excuse me, I felt that the Lord was telling me to choose a handful of people to specially invest in. Jesus chose 12, and I thought maybe I might have the time and energy to work with six. Well, Luke tells us that Jesus prayed all night, and then he made his selection. Well, I didn't pray all night, but over a period of several weeks, I prayed and asked the Lord whom I should select to invest in spiritually. And in various ways, God led me to some people to invest in. 
And if we read through Luke, <clears throat> we see how Jesus spent a lot of time teaching. He taught the crowds, but he gave special time to his chosen disciples. In Luke chapter 8, verse 10, it says, He taught them the secrets of the kingdom. So God was leading me to choose a handful of people to invest in, but he also had some discipleship content that he wanted me to teach. And you know, when someone is a new follower of Jesus, they're often full of energy. They're curious about their faith. They're eager to learn more. And such people are a delight to teach. And it almost doesn't matter where you start. It can, you can practically open the Bible anywhere, and there will be something new to teach. And then drink it all in like a thirsty camel. But older believers sometimes get stuck in their faith. They might feel like they've heard it all before. They're busy with life and various struggles. Maybe they know that they're supposed to have a personal quiet time where they spend time praying and reading the Bible. But often, it just doesn't happen. Or when they do it, they don't always get very much out of it. And the spiritual life becomes a bit of a bore. And sometimes, it dries up altogether. The handful of people that I had chosen were all in this latter category. They had all been followers of Jesus for several years, and some of them seemed to be a bit stalled in their spiritual lives. And I had an idea for doing something different in these discipling relationships. Now, when I say I had an idea, I don't want to take too much credit. I'm pretty sure it was the Lord's idea that he planted in my mind. I just did what he showed me, and wouldn't you know it, it worked out. So my idea was this. If it was possible for me to learn how to hear God's voice, then surely it must be possible to teach someone else how to hear God's voice. And if I could teach someone else, then what if I incorporated that into discipling relationships? So my new discipleship syllabus would be three parts. First, teach a person how to hear God's voice. Then, show the person the importance of obeying what God tells them. And finally, encourage the person to go and make other disciples following the same pattern. What did this look like in practice? Well, the first meeting, we would sit down together, and I would open my Bible and explain how God communicates with us. Then we would have a listening time where we would quiet our hearts, focus on Jesus, ask him questions, and listen to the answers that he would speak in our hearts. And God would speak every time. And almost invariably, the person I was sitting with would say during our first meeting, I need to spend more time with God. Or I need to spend more time praying and reading the Bible. In my previous discipleship attempts, I'd encourage people to pray and read their Bibles. And I really believe that this is one of the keys to spiritual growth. But I don't think it happened very often. And here, in my new method, I wasn't encouraging the person to do anything. All I did was help the person to listen to Jesus. And Jesus would show them directly that they needed to spend more time with him. And Jesus' words had a whole, whole lot more weight than mine did. Hussein was one young man with whom I met regularly, and he got really good at hearing God's voice. When he graduated from university but had no job, God spoke to him. Then he got a job, but since it was in a bank, he needed a police investigation before he could be made a permanent employee. Now normally, in the country where, I, where we work, when the police come to investigate, you have to bribe the investigating officer. Otherwise, he'll write a negative report. And Hussein was worried about what would happen if he didn't give a bribe. Well, God told him not to worry. It turned out that the investigating officer came when he wasn't home, and somehow it all worked out. Then at work, there were bad office politics, and Hussein felt that he was being treated unfairly. 
God told him not to be upset at this. And it wasn't too long before he was promoted to acting branch manager when the manager got sick. And I watched as the Lord brought tremendous change in Hussein's life. The Lord spoke into personal issues, family issues, work issues. Whatever he faced, the Lord had a word that spoke to his situation. And big changes, big changes came into his life because he listened to what God said and obeyed. Well, let me tell you about another young man. Masood was raised in a Christian home, but at times he rebelled and made some terrible decisions. One day we were sitting together and going over his whole life from childhood to adulthood, bringing every difficult event that came to mind to Jesus. There are a number of times when Masood got enslaved by pornography, and we would return to each memory with Jesus and to listen to what Jesus said. And each time, Jesus would forgive Masood for his sin. And I got to understand the compassionate heart of Jesus as I watched Jesus lovingly interact with this young man who had messed up pretty badly at times. And then we got to the point in Masood's life where he rebelled against his parents' wishes and married a non-Christian girl. And as we looked at that event, Masood saw a picture of a path strewn with thorns. Jesus was showing him that his path was difficult now because of his choices. But then he saw that he and Jesus were bent down with brooms, sweeping the thorns off the path. And Jesus would bring healing if Masood would walk with him. Well, these interactions were exciting. I watched as people were deeply changed as they heard Jesus' voice. And I got to know Jesus better by listening to what he said to the people I was discipling. Really, it was Jesus who was discipling them. Mostly what I did was help get the relationship started and then help a little along the way when the person had doubts or needed someone else to confirm that they were hearing the Lord correctly. You know, there are many ways to hear God's voice, and I believe he wants to talk to us regularly. In Luke chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus promised that our Father in heaven will freely give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And one of the things the Holy Spirit does is communicate with us. Before he ascended into heaven, Jesus said, Matthew 28, 20, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And Jesus is with us now through the Holy Spirit. Imagine for a moment that you get into your car for a drive. And imagine that your friend is with you in the front seat. And you drive for an hour. Can you imagine being in that car for an hour and not talking with your friend? Of course not. If you are friends, you will talk. And by talking, I mean you'll both talk and you'll both listen. Jesus said, I am with you always. And that means he is with you all the time. And if you never talk to him or never hear him communicate with you, then maybe something is wrong somewhere. Maybe your friendship with him is missing an important element. When I'm teaching a person how to hear God's voice, I normally say, Quiet your heart, focus on Jesus, ask him a question, and then listen to the thoughts Jesus gives you in your heart in response. And later you can take those thoughts and test them with Scripture and the people of God. I like to use the picture of a river. A river is always flowing. And if you want something that's flowing in the river, you have to reach in, pull it out. And Jesus gives us flowing thoughts. But sometimes we sit on the bank of the river, stuck in analysis, and by the time we are done analyzing, the thought Jesus gave us is long gone. 
Now, I'm certainly not saying we shouldn't analyze. Of course, we must test everything we receive to ensure that it is compatible with what the Bible teaches. But it works much better if we separate the analysis part from the listening part. Well, this discipleship program, based on listening to Jesus, was working really well. To be honest, it was a bit scary at times, but it was tremendously exciting also. But then I got another idea. And my idea was this. Discipleship is not just understanding what Jesus taught, but doing what Jesus did. And one thing Jesus did was heal people. Luke chapter 4, verse 36 to 40. It says, All the people were amazed and said to each other, What is this teaching? With authority and power, he gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the house of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. And when the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. And if we read on in Luke, we find that not only did Jesus heal people, but he sent his chosen 12 disciples to heal people as well. In chapter 9 it says, When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And Jesus didn't limit his command to the 12 disciples either. Luke chapter 10 after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he's about to go. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God is near you. And I became convinced that healing was a discipleship skill as much as a spiritual gift. And if it was a discipleship skill, it could be learned. And if it could be learned, I could learn how to heal the sick in Jesus' name. But my problem was, I had no one to teach me. And I was complaining to the Lord one day. And I said, Jesus, when you were on the earth, the disciples could learn from you. But here I am in Asia, and I don't have anyone to teach me. Well, the Lord reminded me that he had brought people into my life, and it would have been good for me to pray for them, but most of the time, I was too scared or too shy. And I protested to the Lord that I found these random opportunities difficult. And when I said, you know, what I really want is regular practice. So I began asking the Lord to give me three opportunities per week to pray for people who are sick. And wouldn't you know it, almost every week I found three people to pray for. Well, not much happened for the first several months. But after about six months, I saw some answers. A woman had had a cough for several months. I prayed, and she felt a cool wind in her throat, and she recovered. Things like headaches, backaches, colds, asthma. People were experiencing healing. A woman had weakness in her right arm and pain in her neck. She couldn't lift her arm above a certain height. And I thought, she probably has a pinched nerve in her neck. And Ingrid, who's a pretty good physiotherapist, could fix her up quite easily. But Ingrid wasn't present, and she had come to me for prayer. So I rebuked the pain in Jesus' name, and then I asked her to check it out and the pain was gone. She could move her arm freely. She had brought her son with her. The son was probably about 12 years old. And the mother said that the boy had had an anger problem from childhood. 
Well, not knowing any better, I wondered if this was a spirit of anger. So I rebuked that in Jesus' name. And I saw as he relaxed and smiled and leaned into his mother. He said that he felt good. At one stage, one of my mentors told me that before I pray for someone, I should ask God what he wants to do. So a man came into my office one day, and he wanted me to pray for him because he had a headache. So I put my hand on his shoulder, I closed my eyes, and I silently prayed, Lord, how do you want me to pray in this situation? And I received the impression that the Lord wanted that headache gone. So with authority, I rebuked that headache in Jesus' name. And afterwards, I asked how he felt, and he said, the headache left as soon as you put your hand on my shoulder. And the lesson I learned is that the Lord really likes to heal people, even if half the time we don't really know what we're doing. Of course, not everyone was healed, but many were. And sometimes I could hardly believe my eyes, not sure if what I was seeing was really happening. I saw the woman who had the pain in her arm and neck a couple of weeks later and asked how she was doing. She started doing a windmill with her arm and demonstrating full range of movement. Of movement. Now, my regular job was being the country director of the organization we work for in Asia. And one day we had a meeting, and I needed, to talk about, uh, I needed something to talk about, and so I thought I'd share some of my experiences. And my main point was, this is exciting, the Lord is working, and you all can do this too. Well, they were encouraged, but they didn't think they could do the same thing. They suggested that maybe I had the spiritual gift of healing. Now, I'm not at all convinced that I have the gift of healing. I'm not particularly sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Most of the time when I pray for people, I worry that nothing is going to happen. And half the time, I'm scared to even pray for someone anyway. But enough people do get healed to encourage me to keep praying for people. But I am completely convinced that everything I do, you can do too. The power is not in us. The power is in Jesus. And Jesus is the one who defeated the powers of darkness. And Jesus wants us to use his authority to do his work on the earth. But I do believe that some learning and practice is required. Anyway, this was the beginning of a new year, and so I was looking for another group of people to disciple. And this time I added praying for healing to my teaching about hearing God's voice. When I met with my new disciples, I shared some scriptures about how Jesus healed people, I shared how healing was often associated with preaching the gospel and the Bible, and I encouraged them to go out and try. And my new group of disciples began to practice this, and they began to see results almost immediately. Normally, it takes a little bit of courage to get started. The results are not always what we hope for, but many do get healed, and the reports have been amazing. Let me tell you about Mufid, one of my disciples that year. He took this message about healing in Jesus' name to heart and God has been doing amazing things through him. He prayed and laid his hands on his colleague's wife. The wife had been bedridden. Nothing happened after the first prayer, and Mufid felt that maybe it was because the woman's husband had no faith, Once so we asked the husband to leave. Mufid prayed again, and the woman was healed. I got an update the next day. The wife felt so good that she walked five kilometers and dug up vegetables in the garden to cook for her husband. Mufid prayed for a friend's blocked ear. It opened, but his nose then became blocked. Mufid prayed again, and he was healed. Well, Mufid was bothered that he had to pray twice. He asked me why the person wasn't completely healed in the first prayer. 
Well, if I pray for someone and they get healed, I'm just happy that, they get, that they're healed. I'm not bothered if I have to pray five times. But I think Mufid operates at a much higher level of faith than I do. Someone, knew, someone who knew Mufid called long distance from Malaysia with a double hernia. Mufid prayed over the phone, and the young man could tell by putting his hand in the affected location that the hernias were gone. Mufid's older sister had had a problem with her foot for the past 10 to 12 years. She could hardly walk and could just manage to get around inside her house. Mufid prayed for her, and her foot was healed. And his sister was so impacted by this that in the months following, she came to faith, and she took the step of baptism this month. So what's the point? I've shared several testimonies this morning. What's the point of all this? What am I trying to communicate with you? I'm trying to tell you that you can hear God's voice. You can learn to understand God's communication with you in your heart. You can pray for the sick and see immediate results. And you can do the other things that are described in the Bible. These are part of our inheritance as followers of Jesus. And being a disciple is more than just knowing what Jesus taught. It is doing what Jesus did. And you can do the things that Jesus did. Most of us don't really believe it, but Jesus said we could do greater things than he did. In John chapter 14, verse 12, it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these. But the part that many of us miss is that there is a period of learning and practice. A couple of weeks ago, I was praying for someone over the phone. And this woman had knee pain, and she had had it for a long time. And the knee was at times so bad she could hardly walk. The surgeon said she had arthritis and needed a total knee replacement. But in her province, the waiting list is two to three years long. I made an appointment to pray for her over the phone. But when I called her, her back was hurting worse than her knee. And so I thought, well, I'll start by praying for her back. I prayed, and the back didn't get better, but the knee pain left. She reported, as you were praying, I felt a tingling and warmth where the leg muscles connect to the foot. You know, things definitely feel looser. The quad muscles in the front of my leg don't feel as tight either, and I can swing my knee without any pain. Then she said, how did you do that over the phone? I think she was referring to the sense of warmth that she felt in her leg, and obviously, I didn't do it. Jesus did it. But almost with a note of sadness in her voice, she said, I prayed for myself, and it didn't get better when I prayed. You know, there's nothing wrong with that woman or her walk with God. She's a godly woman, and she loves the Lord. And the only thing she is missing is a bit of instruction and a safe place to practice. And she'll be able to pray for herself and for others as well. In secular areas, we understand the idea of learning and practice. No one expects to become a concert pianist without hours of practice. No one expects to become a computer programmer without hours spent coding. Yet somehow, in the spiritual arena, we expect to learn spiritual things without any commitment to practice. And even Jesus' disciples needed practice. We often forget that sometimes things didn't work out for them. Sometimes they got it wrong. But they practiced with Jesus looking on. And he explained to to them what happened when things didn't work out. And isn't that what much of the Christian life is? We start off, we believe in Jesus. And then we need a little bit of instruction and lots and lots of practice. Everything in the Bible is open to us. 
we can do the things that are described in the Bible, but we need to be discipled. We need someone to teach us, and we need safe places to practice what we're learning. We need freedom to try and fail and learn from our mistakes. And this is where it's great to be part of a small group. In a small group, you can try things, you can practice. I was in a small team meeting one day, actually it's kind of like a small group meeting. And I was praying with an older man. And as I prayed, a funny word came into my mind. And the word was stretching. Kind of had the idea of a rubber band. I had no idea what that meant. I had no idea if if it was even from God. But after the prayer, I said to him, while we were praying, the word stretching came into my mind. Does that mean anything to you? Well, it did. God had been speaking to him through Isaiah 54, 2 about enlarging his tent and stretching the tent curtains wide. The Lord was talking to him about growing, stretching. And what I said was confirmation of what God had already been speaking to him about. The Lord was stretching him and causing him to grow. The only reason I could say anything to him at all was that it was a safe place. If I would have been wrong, it wouldn't have been that embarrassing. I was just trying to listen to the Lord. And if I made a mistake, it would have been no big deal. We all make mistakes from time to time. I started off this morning talking about discipleship. A disciple is a learner, learning from Jesus and becoming like him. And Jesus called people so that they could be with him, so that they could be his disciples, so that they could learn from him. Then he told them to go out and make other people into disciples. And as we close, I'd like to leave you with several questions to think about. My first question is, are you a disciple? Are you learning from Jesus? Are you growing in your walk with him? My second question is, who is discipling you? If no one is investing in your life, you might want to consider joining a small group where you can learn together. Or if there's no suitable group for you to join, perhaps you can gather gather a few people together with you and form a small group. My third question is, who are you discipling? Are there people around you in whom you can be spiritually investing? It doesn't have to be 12 people like Jesus, but maybe you could, just, you could pick just one or two people whom you could spiritually invest in in this coming year. And my fourth question is, how does listening to God fit into your journey of discipleship? Listening to God for you doesn't have to look the same as it, looks, as it does for me. But if you're not growing and understanding God's heart, if you're not increasing in knowledge of what he wants to see in your life, then maybe something is missing. Let's think about these questions for a minute or two. Let's close in prayer. You might want to close your eyes. And if you don't know Jesus very well, you might want to pray like this. Jesus, I want to have a real spiritual life. I want you to live in my heart through the Holy Spirit. Wash me. Make me clean. Make your home in my heart. Pause for a moment. Invite Jesus in. Tell him to make himself at home in your life. Tell him that you want him to be in charge. Be very welcoming to him. And if you do know Jesus, spend a moment 
And make yourself conscious of the fact that Jesus is present with you by the Holy Spirit. He is here right with you right now as you sit beside your computer or your phone. He is present. Make yourself aware of his presence. And in your heart, begin a conversation with him. Tell him that you want to be his disciple, that you want to learn from him. Perhaps you could ask him how you can learn from him more deeply. Maybe you could ask him if there are other people with whom you could learn together. And maybe you want to ask him if there are any people that he wants you to invest in spiritually in the coming months. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We thank you for the privilege you've given us of walking with you, of being with you, just being with you. Thank you that you want to talk to us. Thank you that we can learn to hear your voice. Thank you that you want to empower us. You want us to do the things that you did. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, come and touch us, each one of us, each one who's listening. Let your hand be upon us, Lord Jesus. And help us to walk with you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more on us as a church and ways to connect, please visit us online at firstalliancechurch.org.